Welcome to MPT Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Wilbanks. We pray that this Word of God will bless your life and ministry increase God's blessing upon you. Can you say praise the Lord? Thank God for the mercy. Mm. Let me think a minute here. I don't have to do a lot of thinking. Brother Tim tells some of the story. Don't tell it all. Some of it can't be told. But I've, saw, I've seen some things, terrible things. I made promises to God before I got in church. If you'll just get me out of here, I won't do it again. But I did. More than one time. So I can honestly sit here and tell you, thank God for his mercy. When he reached down in the barrel and got and dug me out, he had to reach down a long ways. I had a name. It wasn't a good one. Probably still not real good, but thanks to Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm okay with it. He's okay with it. That's how it is. Let's give the Lord another big hand praise. I do want to say in reference to that song that y'all were singing just a little bit earlier. It was talking about the grave and could no grave hold you. The Lord brought it to my memory about a scripture that says, Oh, grave. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Whew. I feel the Holy Ghost good. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. There ain't no grave in this world strong enough to hold us down. There ain't no devil mean enough to beat us down. There ain't no human being living that's got anything on a child of God because I'm telling you this right now. If you're a child of the king, you've got all it needs to get you through this world until time we go over yonder. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, we are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed I'm telling you right now in Jesus name that there's somebody sitting under the sound of my voice that believes that there's come a time when they've been destroyed there's been a time that they just want to throw in the towel and say hey I give it up I want to throw it in and brother Tim the message you preached this morning when it hit when you said somebody in this room I've got a message for him. Well, God's been telling me the same thing all week. Somebody in this room, I've got a message for you. And before you leave out of here tonight, you're going to have an opportunity to do what God has called you to do and do what God has called you to ask. I prayed this evening and sitting in Brother Tim's office, and I'm thankful that he let me sit in his office. I rubbed around on everything and said, God, give me some anointing. Let me have some of Brother Tim. I just touched his hands from his Bible and I said, Lord, just give me some of that anointing. Let me have it. <laughs> Everybody would like to have a little of that ever preacher. 
But hey, man, I'm telling you, God is good and greatly to be praised. And the Bible says his greatness is unsearchable. Lord, how much. I want to give honor to my, to my pastor, first of all. I want to tell him I love him. been knowing him all my life. I've always respected him. I thought he was a little funny here and there every now and then. Not in a bad kind of way, but, <laughs> you know, we used to stand up on top of the hill and watch him do that chicken scratching and carrying on, and we'd just laugh and throw out another beer can and talk about how funny they were. But God's got a sense of humor, you know what I'm saying? Because he said, all right, big boy, let me show you something. You're going to be one of them down there doing that chicken scratching for it all over. And hey, man, I was. <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm thankful for it. Hallelujah. Let's give a pastor and the first lady a big hand. How about that? I want to give honor. Secondly, I want to give honor to my wife. Without her, I probably wouldn't be nowhere near as gentle as I am now. <laughs> I wouldn't be nowhere near as peaceful. And just all around good guy. I wouldn't be nowhere even close to that if it wasn't for her. Now, she may want to correct me when I leave here, but I'm going to say it while I got the chance and I got the microphone. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I do want to say I love her, and without her, I wouldn't be anywhere near what I am and I'd probably be the furthest away from the style than any man could ever be because I really didn't care nothing about it but me and her got married and I started picking out clothes and she tell me no that's fall clothes and I'm like what is what? that's spring clothes and that's winter clothes I'm like what, what are you good grief so now I have to go <laughs> I got them all numbered she don't know it but I got them <laughs> I got them all no, so I know which ones to get. I do know some. I do know when it gets cool, I can wear flannel shirts, and that'll be okay with hers. I'm good with that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Repent later. <laughs> but anyway, I do want to say I love my wife. She is definitely a gift from God, definitely. And I can't say I love her enough, and I appreciate what she does for me. I want to say I thank for my mother-in-law. She's here tonight, and I'm glad to see her here. Can't think of enough good things to say about you, Miss Linda, but I can't say anything bad. I don't know anything bad, and if I would, I wouldn't say it, but I can't say anything bad. She told me one time, she looked at me when I was married into the family, and she said, I'm going to be the best mother-in-law you've ever had. And I believe she's held her word and tried her best to do that. And I thank you for that. I want to say, Miss Linda and Miss Pat, I love y'all. Y'all are something else. It just overwhelms my heart to see you guys sitting back there in the back. I, I love having y'all. I love y'all. Y'all y'all some special people in my life, regardless. I'm going to try to say this right here. Sister Connie, you can sit right there and play a little gently all the whole time. You don't have to get out because I'm trying to try my best not to make this a long message. Well, I've always heard you preach out you turn them sour. You preach 15 minutes, everybody's going to love you. So I'm going to try my best to stick to it just like that right there and not do it long. <laughs> but the Bible, in the book of Samuel, the first, first Samuel, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, 
God helped me with the pronunciation of these words right here. I'm like, Lord, I can't read that stuff. My God. And here I am trying to find out something. You're going to lay this on me. Well, here's the thing about it is my Bible's got a little trick to that. It divides them in little sections. (laughs) So, hallelujah. (laughs) So now there was a certain man, Ramathim Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Panina. And Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Brother Pastor, could you pray? You can be seated. You can be seated. You see in the scripture, Hannah was bound. The scripture relates to that. But I want to touch on something. This is a point I'm going to make. So I might be a little scattered, but I'm going somewhere. So I want you to just hang with me for a second and listen to what I say here. And you see in the scripture that Hannah was bound. She had no man child. And back in those days, having a man child was an honor. It was a way to carry on the lineage of the family of the father. It was a way to get chores done and stuff done. God could use men where he couldn't use women. He never intended to use women in those situations. But anyway, she was barren and she had no man child. As a matter of fact, at that point in time, she had no children at all. Panina was the other wife. She had several children, ten to be exact. Oh, Lord. And, and, and was causing Hannah a lot of grief because of that fact. Panina upbraided Hannah with her affliction, despised her because she was barren and gave her toning language as one who heaven did not favor. Now in relation to Hannah, in relation to what's going on right here, just a little scripture that I read you, I read you right here. We all go through situations in our life, and we all have problems, and we all face circumstances. Hey, man, it's a little bit short. It's a little bit short of heaven's goal. And we have always got somebody that's eager, Brother Tim, to stand out there in the corner somewhere and look and say, I see you. Did you hear what old so-and-so done? Well, let me just tell you what he said. Let me just make it clear to you that I just don't believe he's worthy of heaven. I don't believe he's going to make it. I don't believe he's going to do this. I don't believe he's going to do that. The devil is very good at toning us in moments of despair. I want to direct this message right here, what I'm about to say, and I want you to listen closely. Somebody in this congregation tonight or somebody within my earshot is facing a situation or facing a time in their life where they're in the depths of despair. 
The devil sat on the sideline, and I feel the Holy Ghost, Brother Tim. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. The devil stood on the other side. He sat in a corner somewhere. He's used old Tobin, whatever his other name was. He sent him over, and he pointed at you, and he said, Hey, if he was doing this, God would be doing this. If he was doing this, God would be doing this. If he was acting this way, God was acting. He would be doing everything he could. But I'm telling you now, old Tobin, send can go back to where they come from because I'm telling you in your moment of despair, God is about to deliver you, give you an opportunity that you never believed was possible. He wants you to know right now that it doesn't make any difference how many enemies you face. I'm telling you there's a scripture in the Bible that says he he prepared the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's one of my favorite scriptures because I'm telling you when hell's coming in like a flood, I can pull up my chair, tell them to pass the gravy, give me a biscuit and sit down and eat. I got a mighty God on my side that knows when I need help and he's going to show up just in time, every time. Woo, he's going to do it. Having a man child would ensure the lineage of the husband and was carried on, that was carried on. God also used the man in order to fulfill all his demands and desires and Hannah, and Hannah had none. I want you to listen to this. In light of that fact, Hannah's spirit was broken so much because of the fact she had no children that she would not eat. She wept continuously, and her heart was sorely grieved. But I want you to understand right now that Hannah knew in her spirit that if she could only find an altar, a place she knew where she could touch the throne of God Almighty, she knew that somehow she could make her request be made known unto God, she knew that when all hope seemed to be lost and the adversary was pressing so upon her mightily, she knew that all she had to do was touch the hem of his garment. She knew that all she had to do was raise her voice to heaven and say, God, I need your help. And all she had to do was say, hey, Lord, help me, I need you right now. I do want to say one more time that the devil is very good at getting down on your back when you're in trouble. He's very good at getting down on your back and making you want to throw in the towel. But I want to tell you tonight, and I'm talking to somebody specifically, I want to tell you tonight that when the devil says throw in the towel, it's time to get on your knees. When the devil says throw in the towel, it's time to stand up. When the, devil thought, when the devil says it's time to give in, it's time not to give up, but to stand up. It's time to tell that devil to go back to hell where you come from. I ain't got no time to listen to you. You're not kicking sand in my face another day. You're not going to mess with me one more time because I'm going to put Jesus on you. All through the Bible, we have people facing adversity. And I want to say this right here. In this situation right here, Hannah made a call to God. She knew who he was. Something that had been instilled in her a long time ago that she knew that when she was in trouble, God was the answer. 
And I want to say something this morning about a message, about the message in leadership I heard this morning. And, I, and, and it's one of the best messages, best teachings that I believe I've ever heard. Brother Tim, thank you for that. That was so awesome. And this is something that the Lord has put on my heart and given me a burden for about the people of God. I'm telling you about the people of God. I want you to understand this right here. We're all children. Everybody turn around and look at everybody sitting around you. Take, turn around and take a look at everybody sitting around you. I want you to know that every person sitting on a pew is a child of the king. Everybody sitting here has got the same access to glory and the same access to mercy as I've got. Everybody sitting right here can get the same thing from God I can get. Everybody sitting right here can say, Lord, I need your help, and he can help you. Don't think for one minute that you can stand up and say, oh, hallelujah, God, I'm so worthy. I thank God that I'm not one of these. I'm not like one of these right here. I'm going to tell you right now, you're in danger of hellfire. If you put your tongue on some of the church people, if you put your tongue on some of the brothers and sisters, I'm telling you now that God is about to wipe your slate clean. He's about to make you start over. He's about to act you. He's about to make you get some right and do right. You know, here's the thing about this situation here. Is there's three kind of heartstrings that God tugs on. Or three kinds of heartstrings that we get tugged on. We get tugged on, our heartstrings get tugged on when we get in a, a, a dire situation and we come to a place where we just don't know what to do. We don't run, or at least I don't, and I know most of you don't or all of you don't. I don't run to to. to Mom or dad or, or or anybody else, as far as that's concerned, when I really need some help, Brother Tim, I run to the master. I run to where I know that I can get my prayer answered. I might have to wait a few days, and I might not have to wait but an hour or two, but I promise you, when I go before that throne of glory, I can tell you one thing is for sure. God is going to answer me. He's going to give me what I need. He's going to protect me. He's going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and he's going to stand me up and make me look like somebody. Now, I'm saying that to say this. My heartstrings get tugged on when I, need a, when, I, when I need an answer from God. Something for the first 30 years of my life, I was brought up in a way that I felt like I, had, I was taught that I had to fight for what I got. I had to take what I got. And if you had it and I wanted it, I tried my best to take it. But one day a person that I can, sitting, her daughter sitting right back here in the back right now, and you can go home and tell your mother I said this, but one day she come to me while I was sitting in the factory, and she told me, she, 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 she told me, she kept asking me, why don't you go to church? 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 I would turn her down, and I would turn her down, and one day she came to me, and she was crying her eyes out. She worked in the office, and I worked out there on the floor. You know, everybody was wanting to know why she was coming out there talking to me and why she would leave crying every time. Well, I lied 
to them. <laughs> like, my God, well, that's what you do. I said, she asked me out, and I told her I wasn't going to go. <laughs> I told her that one time, and she just, like, she, she said, you crazy, which I was at that particular time. But anyway, she invited me to church, and because she asked me to go, I went. I'm sitting back on the back of that, on the back, almost the back pew, and Brother Gary Porterfield was preaching Brother Tim, and he was preaching hellfire and damnation and Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and doing all this kind of stuff that I'd laughed at all my life. And I promise you, I got up to go outside. I got up to take a right-hand turn. But instead of taking a right-hand turn, I look a left-hand turn. And I got down to that altar. And the first thing I know, I was on my knees. And I was asking God to forgive me. I don't know what you gave them, but I got to have some of it. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of doing what I'm doing. I'm tired of seeing what I'm seeing. I'm tired of acting like I'm acting. I want something different. Brother Gary Porterfield told me not long after that, I didn't speak in tongues that night, but I went to the altar, and I couldn't believe it. I thought the building was going to fall in. Everybody thought the building was going to Everybody was looking up, and I'm like, what y'all doing? I think the building's going to fall. <laughs> I didn't get the Holy Ghost that night, but let me tell you how rough around the edges I was. I didn't get the Holy Ghost that night, and I went up to Brother Porterfield, and I told him, I said, Brother Gary, I said, I'm, we grew up together, fought, went to bars together, and done all this kind of stuff, done everything we could think about together. Some stuff I can't even tell you about that we used to do together. Well, statute of limitations don't announce we are. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is simply this right here. I told him, I said, I didn't get the Holy Ghost. How come I didn't get the Holy Ghost? He said, well, you get baptized in Jesus' name, you'll get the Holy Ghost. You know what my response was? I better. <laughs> Sister Carol was sitting there. She said, oh, she backed up about four steps. <laughs> a little bit later on, he took me, took me down to the baptistry and got me baptized in Jesus' name. I didn't come up speaking in tongues, but just a few days later, God come down where this old sinner was. God come down where he knew somebody needed mercy. God some come down where he knew somebody was sick and tired of living the way they're living. He came down when he said, hey, I know you for real, and I know you want what I got, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues was a strange thing to me. I go back and, now listen to me. I, I'm not getting off a message here, but I'm telling some stuff. Like somebody in this congregation tonight, I want you to listen and hear what I say. I spoke in tongues, got the Holy Ghost, and people come against me like you wouldn't believe. I had to fight. I, I just went through some stuff that was just terrible. I mean, people was going behind my back, going to the pastor and the pastor's wife, and went over to Paul Bill one day and told Paul Bill some stuff. He said, Paul Bill told him, he said, I don't know what you're over here doing talking to me. He said, I believe like he does. That's what Paul Bill told him. I'm like, you go, Paul Bill. You all right. I had to fight, physically fight. People in my family, there's some folks in my family that would rather see me out living and going straight to hell. If they had seen me speaking in tongues, living a Holy Ghost-filled life, 
not doing the things I used to do, not smoking dope like I used to do, not drinking like I used to do, not smoking like I used to do, not running and carousing like I used to do, not fighting like I used to do, not going marijuana like I used to do. The day that God delivered me is the day that everything I was doing, I dropped cold turkey that day, no more, I'm done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your deliverance. Now, you may think I'm not being honest with you, and I ain't got no reason to tell a story. You go to hell for telling a story. But I'm telling you right now that when God delivered me, I had marijuana plants behind my house taller than my house was. And when God gave me the Holy Ghost, I said, Lord, I got to go home and cut that stuff down. When I thought about cutting it down, I thought about giving it to some of my buddies, and I got about halfway over, and I said, wait a minute, that ain't right. I can't do that either. So I had to take it down and put one more fire. <laughs> I cleaned my house out. I got rid of the things that I knew God didn't like. I stopped doing the things I knew God didn't want me to do. I started acting like the way God wanted me to act. I started acting right, spitting white, talking right. Doing everything that a man could do to do it. I wanted it. I wanted heaven. I was on fire. And I'm telling you, I prayed and prayed and prayed. I saw some things. I promise you that if I told you, you'd be telling me you're telling a lie. I can't help what you believe, but I'm telling you this right now. I see some things in the spirit that would blow somebody's mind. I'm telling you. I'm not saying it because I'm bragging. I'm just simply saying it because I wanted to see it. And God showed it to me. But I'm telling you this, I won't ever ask for it again. Some of you people out there want to see, want to see some stuff in the spirit world, want to see some of those evil spirits in the spirit world. You better know what you asked him for you asked for it. Because I'm telling you right now, they're a whole lot stronger than you and been around a whole lot longer than you. And they can last longer in the fight that you can. They ain't playing with you. But I want to say this to say this. This is what I'm saying to you right here. We, we, God tugs on our heartstrings, and when we get in trouble, we feel that pull that you can run and go anywhere you wanted to do, or you could act any kind of way you wanted to, or you could go to the bank and say, hey, give me this, or you could go to the log and say, hey, give me, give me this, or you could go here and there and you could say, give me this, but the number one place I go is to Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, I promise you this, I, I promise you this, this is the first thing out of my mouth. When I wake up in the morning, I raise my hands toward heaven and I say, God, I'm so thankful that you let me be alive just one more day. I'm so thankful that you let me open my eyes, that you let me have one more chance to call your name, one more chance to give you praise, one more chance to thank you for the glory, one more chance to thank you for the mercy, one more chance to be with my family, one more chance. Just to say, hey, I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
But all the devil likes to come around and talk to you and say, hey, you ain't no good. You make a mistake. You might as well just go in the town, give it up and forget it. You might as well just go on and just lay it all down and forget it. I know you've been praying and you've been seeking God, but you messed up and you ain't no good. And everybody around you is making fun of you and they're laughing at you behind your back. And they're making fun of you and they're laughing at you and they're telling the neighbors, well, I'm telling you this, if we've got anybody sitting in this house today doing that to one of their brothers, Shame on you is all I can say. Shame on you is all I can say. I'm telling you, everybody sitting in this building today wants to go to heaven. We their brothers, we their sisters, and I'm telling you what, when they fall, we need to help them. We need to put our hands on them. We need to say, hey, come on, I can help you. Hey, come on, let me give you a hand. Hey, come on, I'm rooting for you. I love you. I'm praying for you in Jesus' name. I want to say this right here in Jesus' name. Every one of us, every one of us, everybody in this building, you can sit here and believe whatever you want to believe, but I know what I'm about to tell you is the truth, so help me God in Jesus' name that everybody sitting in this building has made a mistake and failed. But I want you to know in Jesus' name that no matter what kind of mistakes you made, you can ask my wife. I'll tell you, she can tell you what I tell her. I guarantee you when I'm talking about a child of God, it doesn't make any difference what situation they're in. It doesn't make any difference what they're going through. It doesn't make any difference where they're backslid. It doesn't make any difference where they can't hear God. It don't make any difference where they've been to church. I'm telling you right now, I say they all, they used to be a Christian. God called them. His anointing is still there. He's calling them and he's trying to get them back. And that's what we need to do. We need to call them and try to get them back. We need to try to get them in the house of God. We need to try to make sure that God refills them with the Holy Ghost. We need to make sure that they make it. For crying out loud, that's our brothers and sisters. Going a little further in my message, I won't be but just a little bit longer. In that same chapter, or in a couple more chapters on over. Samuel was getting older in years. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. When we take our eyes off God, and men becomes our hero, we in some serious trouble. We put our stake in men, we lift him up and put him on us. And don't misunderstand me, Pastor. I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying, hey, hey, there's some folks that we, we got heroes. But let me say this right here. We got all kind of sports heroes. We got thousands and thousands and thousands going to the arena on Sunday and watching them play football, watching them play basketball, and watching them do this and watching them do that. And God said, I've asked them to come to church. I've asked them to do this. I can't get them to come to church. But if I can't get them to come, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take church to them. I'm going to show them a miracle. Tomorrow Hamlin died on the field that day in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. The Almighty God showed up and he raised him up standing right there in front of thousands and thousands of people. You can't say, they can't say I hadn't witnessed a miracle of God because God showed it to them that day in that field that time. Yeah. 
God said your heroes can die on you. But I can lift them up. God said your heroes can fall down on you. But I can pick them up and back up and dust them off. God said your heroes are human. They're going to fall. They're going to fail. They're going to take you with them. Israel was not satisfied. The Bible says Samuel got a little bit old. Well, he got old, and his, the Bible says his eyes grew dim, and he couldn't see good. And he had his two sons out there that was being judges for him. And, it, and they, the Bible says that they took bribes, turned, turned aside to Luke, and perverted judgment. And I can understand that, that people get troubled and aggravated at them. But what I don't understand is, is that Israel went to Samuel, and in that time, Israel went to the priest. The priest went to God, and God answered directly to the priest, right back directly to the people. Now, how would you like it today? And I know some of us probably wouldn't like it in some time or another. How would you like it if God just gave you the answer? Every time. On time. Only thing you had to do, just go to the priest and give him a, some kind of sacrifice or something. And he'd go in there and inquire of God for you. He'd come back and say, God does and does and does and this and that. And that's what you do. How would you like to do that? I guarantee that sometimes I wouldn't want to go to the priest. <laughs> Them jokers used to have a have a rope tied on their leg when they went in that holiest of holies, buddy. When that bell stopped ringing, they had to drag them out. You knew something wasn't going right. If any of you knew what I'm talking about, they went into the holy of holies. If they weren't right, they would, God took them out. <laughs> Let me say this right here. Israel was not satisfied with God. I was good at the time, but their hearts had grown cold. I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. They had seen a few bad judges, but it doesn't make any difference if you see any bad men or how many bad men or, or who all kind of bad men you see. That's not an excuse to throw in the towel and give up on God. That ain't nothing but the Holy Ghost. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care how they act. I don't care what kind of car they drive. You ain't got no business keeping your eyes on them and getting your eyes off Jesus. Only thing you need to do is look to the throne and say, God, they'll have to answer to you for what they're doing. I'm going to answer you for what I'm doing. I'm not going to put them down because they've been called. They're anointed. They trust of God. I just want to make it to heaven, and this is what I'm going to do. Matter of fact, David cut off a piece of Saul's garment one time and went back across the hillside and held it up and looked at him and said, hey, see what I could have done to you? God got on him and he apologized, repented, and said, God, forgive me for touching one of your anointed. I'm telling you now, it doesn't make any difference where they backslid away from God and where they at. You better keep your mouth off of them because I'm telling you now that God is not going to play when you start talking about your brothers and sisters. But one more thing I want to say to this. There's an old saying that always says, I've always heard that we leave our wounded on the battlefield. Not only do we leave them on the battlefield now, we try to kill them. I'm being totally honest with you. Not only do we leave them on the battlefield, we try to kill them. Something down in our hearts is just, I don't know what it is. But when we see somebody fall, it almost as if sometimes it makes some of us glad. Oh. 
these are our brothers and sisters. Let me get back to this. They had a few bad. They had a few bad judges. Samuel's sons, Joel and Abia, yeah, whatever his name is. I misprinted that one. Who walked not in the ways of their father Samuel? They took bribes, turned aside to Luke, and perverted judgment. So they decided, hey, let's just forget God and get us a king. And what I'm trying to do is when I tell you this right here, something in the something that had kept them in the wilderness for 40 years, Brother Tim, had creeped back in. Something about all the miracles that they had seen just wouldn't register. Something in the background was gently tugging at their heartstrings. Now, I'm telling you, this is what I'm telling, I'm telling you this for a purpose. Because maybe you're in that situation right there. Something or somebody or someone is gently tugging at your heartstrings. And I feel the Holy Ghost, Lord have mercy. Something or someone or somebody that you are dear to is saying, hey, you don't need all that. Something or somebody or someone is telling you that it don't take all that to go to heaven. And what's really dangerous is, is we're in a position where our heart starts to get cold. And we begin to allow things in our ear that we used not to allow in our ear. We start listening to voices that we stopped listening to a long time ago. We stopped, we started back talking to people that we hadn't talked to since we got the Holy Ghost. Our blue jeans, the knees on our blue jeans have ceased becoming wore out. And they're looking pretty and brand new. Something is pulling on your heartstring. But let me give you an idea of what that something is. There's a thing called the world out here. And the Bible simply says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. There is no gray area. None. You either force or you're against us. That's what Jesus said. He said, I work that you were either hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. You know what spewing you out of your mouth means? It means puking you up. Throwing you up. We all know how to clap our hands. Sister Connie, you can come. I told you this wasn't going to be long. We all know how to clap our hands when things are going good, and we can worship, and we can praise, and we can pray for people, and we can lay hands on them, and we can tell them how much we appreciate them, and we can love them. But when the going gets tough, and, and we get into a place of despair, and we get into a place of not knowing, and we get into a place of just utter hell for, for 
a less choice of a better word. When we get into that place, we tend to withdraw. And we tend to forget that the God of the mountain is still the God of the valley. We tend to forget that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. So now I'm asking if you would stand with me for a second. And now I'm going to ask you in Jesus' name, which voice are you listening to? Which voice has the most carries the most weight? As sure as my name is Will Banks, and there's a whole lot of them in this church, no disrespect to any of you. But as sure as my name is Steve Wilbanks, I was praying in that office today and I said, Lord, this is what I got to say. I don't want to preach if somebody can't be touched. Because this preaching is not about me. This preaching is not about how good I do. Or how good I look, which, you know, that's in the eyes of the beholder. <laughs> how good I smell. This preaching is simply about one thing. Jesus said, I came to seek out and to save those that were lost. And the Bible also says he used the foolishness of preaching to save those. Now, I can tell you this right now, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I never want to step behind a pulpit again with the attitude, God, I want to do a good job. If that's the way it's going to be, I resign right now and throw in the towel. Every time I step behind that pulpit right now, I want to see somebody touched. I want to see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to see somebody delivered. I want to see God do a miracle. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see, Brother Eddie. I want to see God take Brother Eddie Mullins and Sister Deborah and give them what they need and what they asking for. I want to see God work a miracle in your life. I want to see God do something for you that people are going to stand back and it's just going to blow their mind. Brother Jim, that's what I want to see. Sister Pat, that's what I want to see. Sister Linda, that's what I want to see. At this point in my life, I don't care what people think of me. As long as I'm doing my best, people are going to talk about me anyway. The Bible says it's, it's kind of scary when everybody's saying good things about you all the time. So I don't want everybody talking good about me. But what I do want to see is 
I want to hear this. I want to hear that every time Brother C. Wilbanks goes somewhere, he tells somebody about Jesus. Every time Brother C. Wilbanks goes somewhere, he wants to see somebody saved. Every time he walks by me, I can feel God coming off of him. Two things are tugging today. The world or Jesus. I'm going to give you a second to think about what I just said. I've always heard a preacher say, and I, I just never really took it to heart, but he always said that when you walk out of here, it could be your last opportunity. This is not a prophecy. I'm not prophesying. But he said this could be, he always said this could be your last opportunity. So what I'm about to do is, I'm about to back up and I'm about to let you can come to these altars. There's anything in your life that needs to be got out. There's anything in your life that you need. If you want the Holy Ghost, if you want touched, if you want a miracle, don't miss your chance to get it. This altar is open. We pray today that this word has blessed you, ministered to the needs of your life. Until next time, God bless you.